Thank you for listening to another episode of the Black Party Podcast. I am Peter Fleischer, along with... I am Zach, a.k.a. Swaggerhound for Warnor. There we have it. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff. A very busy show. I would bet, if I had to bet, that this would be our longest podcast. So we're not going to waste any time. We both took... Well, I really took a beating on the NFL weekend. Uh, Zach, a little bit better. Um, we're going to kick things off by talking about the NFL Conference Championships. And I think probably the most uh, natural place to start off is the Broncos and Peyton Manning, the sheriff, <laughs> taking down the Patriots and Tom Brady. Good conquers evil once again. Yeah, that was like I think we talked about before, and it was pretty much exactly like, like there's no way, right? But they, they pulled it out, and uh, the you know props to Von Miller just being a beast out there and their defense hitting Tom Brady like a mother fudger. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm getting better. I'm censoring on the, on the plot. I don't have to edit that out. Yeah, thank you. I, hey, I don't have to um, edit that. But uh, it, was, it was an interesting game. Um, I was starting to get worried as the week went on and everyone was pounding the Patriots, pounding the Patriots, minus three, minus three, and the line didn't shift at all. And so that kind of tells you that Vegas feels comfortable with the Broncos. Um, Obviously, they don't make billions and billions of dollars by being wrong very often. And then I was at the Memphis Tigers game, and just a couple minutes before kickoff, my buddy, who is a Broncos fan, um, said, oh, man, the line is actually down to two and a half in some places. And then I knew we were screwed. (laughs) The Patriots had no chance. It was a preconceived outcome. and sure enough, the Denver Broncos and that rabid defensive line take down the New England Patriots. Um, do you think it's an example of the Broncos being an incredible defense, or did anything from the Patriots uh, kind of alarm you, disappoint you maybe? No, I think the Broncos just looked pretty good. They looked a lot better than I thought they would after watching them kind of at the tail end of the season, but um, I thought they just played really well. And obviously it was still, you know, Patriots still had a chance to tie it and that's crazy that Gaskowski missed that extra point, which is basically the difference in the game. But I don't blame him for the game. But uh, it, it was just a that was a that was a dang good game. It surprised me. We talked that the Broncos would get pressure and then they'd, they'd send guys on Brady. They didn't blitz much, and really just the front three, front four got to Brady. I thought he would be able to get the ball out before the pressure got home, but. <laughs> they were just down his throat basically uh, the entire game before even the shortest of routes, uh, the escape routes, could could kind of progress. So, yeah, super impressed with Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware. That Patriots offensive line is god-freaking-awful. So I wonder... You see uh, they fired their coach, the offensive yeah, line coach. Yeah, yeah, And, I mean, I would, I would imagine a personnel overhaul is not too far behind. They, I mean, Marcus Cannon, his ashes are probably just sprinkled across Denver. He was completely torched all day long. Um, I, I think that, I mean, look, if the Broncos didn't get to him, there's it's tough to see the Patriots beating the Panthers with an offensive line like that. So hats off to the Broncos. Um, I had the Pats winning that game, and I had the Pats plus 450 to win the Super Bowl, so I'm a little disappointed in that. But don't you kind of hate Tom Brady a little like that? I feel like there's a little bit of everyone that dislikes the Patriots and Tom Brady. Yeah, I was definitely rooting for Peyton and the Broncos. Uh, and that's despite doubt. money yeah. being on the line. 
Um, also, I wanted to share with you a kind of interesting stat, which makes me want to lean Broncos in the Super Bowl. Do you know that um, only 18% of teams cover in the playoffs if they score over 40 in the game before? Carolina scored, what, 49? So maybe they won't cover? I don't know. I, I still think Carolina's going to win, but just a weird little tip I want to throw in. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> there's so many weird tips and trends that go on. Um, I'm sure everyone will be all over the Panthers just like they were the Patriots, but it doesn't matter how you win as long as you're there. And so the Broncos definitely have a puncher's chance in the Super Bowl. Um, what about that Panthers-Cardinals game? Do you, I mean, kind of same same premise. Do you think that the Panthers played great and or the Cardinals just played horrible? Obviously, Carson Palmer, uh, <laughs> you can't be – he was freaking terrible. He was yeah. awful. You can't be much worse than that. But was that a result of the Panthers or did they just shit the bed? I think a little bit of both. Um, I was surprised that that was a blowout because I thought the the games would kind of be flip-flopped. I thought the Patriots would win by maybe a touchdown or two, and then that Panthers-Cardinals would be like a field goal at the end decides it. But um, I was definitely surprised they just came out and dominated. But, yeah, like you said, Palmer was pretty bad. A lot of fumbles in the pocket and then some bad picks. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, still, I still don't fully trust the, the uh, Panthers for some weird reason. Why? What do you what more do you have to see? I mean, tell me they lost one game. Yeah, I know, but like their schedule was kind of soft this year, and I just looked at it and they really, I mean, they beat the Giants in like week ten. But I was kind of looking at it and like I, I can't remember who it was in week eight, but that was like their last win besides the playoffs, obviously. Where I was like, okay, that's a good solid W. Here's their last good solid W to me. A couple of days ago, when they beat the brakes off the number two seed in the NFC. Yeah, well, Seahawks beat the brakes off of the Cardinals a couple weeks ago, too, but they're gone. I, I, I would contend that the Seahawks are also a legit team, though. But I, I, we're going to see, and you're going to put your money up um, sooner than later about this game. One way or another, you cannot get out of that. So I thought, I really thought the Panthers were great. We talked about Kawan Short and Star Latulale and then that whole kind of um, front seven, really. Obviously, Luke Keekley, another monster game with him. I will be interested to see how Thomas Davis progresses with his health. Broken arm against the Cardinals. He's yeah. uh, he's as athletic a linebacker as, as there is in the NFL. Um, so I'm going to see. I'm going to I'm going to be watching that well, over let, the next two weeks. Let me let me tell you the last the wins I that I wasn't that impressed. Obviously, like you said, they beat the Seahawks and Cardinals, so those are impressive. But before that, Buccaneers, Falcons, Giants, who are decent, Falcons, Saints, Cowboys, Redskins. Titans, Packers. So, like, Packers obviously were decent, and, and Redskins were a playoff team. But I just looked at their schedule Yeah, a not more. a murderer's row. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Texans, were, Texans, Jags, and then obviously they just played the NFC South two times. But I don't know. I'm, I, I think they're really good, and I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the brakes off Broncos. But I'm starting to, like, be wary. But did you see, uh, I think there's a someone said that if, so if Cam wins the MVP and the Super Bowl, he'll be the first person ever to win, like, the Heisman, the Natty, the NFL MVP and a Super Bowl. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He uh, he is just an absolute freak. Watching him run the ball, and I I read that he uh, he was bigger than the average Arizona Cardinal defender. Sounds right. Like he, I, I don't know. I I think that the the Broncos basically just teed off, <clears throat> just basically teed off on Brady. He's a stationary target. You pin your ears back, you get into the pocket, and uh, and he's kind of dead meat. Cam Newton, the exact opposite, which is how mobile he is and how big and strong he is. Uh, the burst is there to to escape and then and then make plays on the run. I think that's going to be a whole 
different kind of challenge for the Broncos and uh, and their pass rush. But we'll get to that next week. Um, we'll we'll get to that kind of as the Super Bowl draws closer. Also in football news, uh, de- but definitely not on the football field. My good old alma mater, sweet old Mizzou, uh, has made headlines again for the worst reasons. There is a video out of Missouri Tiger quarterback Matty Mock doing a line of what appears to be cocaine and then kind of letting out a weird primal yell. Um, (laughs) What was the first thing that went through your mind when you saw that video? We can start there. I definitely did like an eye roll and just said, wow, like I cannot believe that. You know, I woke up this morning and heard about it on the the radio. So I obviously was like, I got to see this video. And first off, I can't tell. Like, I think he knows that that dude was recording, right? Like, it looks. Yeah, he kind of like it, smiled at the camera. Yeah, exactly. A bit. There's definitely a little bit of eye contact, but I mean, we live in an age now. You just can't do. You can't do that kind of stuff. Like, it was funny. I was listening to Gary Parish on the there drive were, home. There was never an age where you could do yes, that kind dude, of stuff. You know that people back in like 20 years ago, I bet guarantee you, dudes were just doing all sorts of drugs back in the 70s. I'm saying, but the the video is a death sentence. Yeah, no, no that's what I'm what. saying. I'm saying yeah, like yeah. right now, our generation. Oh, you get caught. Snapchat you get caught easier. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Fine, like yeah. all those like quick, you know, like. And and even Gary Parrish was like, dude, just go do it in the bathroom. Like, if you really want to do coke, which I'm that's, sure he did plenty of times. That's what I don't understand. Like, it, plenty of people do cocaine and drugs and whatever, and not a very large amount of them get caught on video doing it. Yes. Like, I don't understand when these college athletes are going to figure out <laughs> figure out a smart way to do cocaine. Yeah. Obviously, there's no smart way to do uh, drugs. I'm not condoning that. But it's, it's bizarre to me how many times these dumbass, high-profile people – get caught doing dumb things like you can be stupid quietly and sneakily it's it's crazy to me that people get caught like that yeah and and the funniest thing is <laughs> gary said this on there too which was hilarious he doesn't even like hit the line that well like he doesn't yeah, like yeah. actually snort at all and so i mean obviously kind of same accuracy with the line that he had with his wide receivers this year probably but the I don't the, know, the like the poison in that tweet like the insult to the tweet is just <laughs> is compounds the situation um what was your i kind of felt conflicted with this because obviously uh, a high profile kid kind of throwing his life to drugs is not a sympathetic thing it's not something that you should feel bad for but this is a kid whose dad is going through serious cancer treatments um i just kind of i found myself feeling bad for him like Obviously, whoever took this video of you is not your friend. Yeah, and he sold it for two grand or something. Yeah, I mean, it just—it seems like he really is out of control, and um, I just felt like there was something kind of—I uh, guess it was almost something almost pathetic about yeah. it. He just—he just obviously doesn't have control over a serious issue, and uh, I kind of felt bad. But I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I mean, he's like a twenty-year-old kid who's going through tough times. You know, like. I, don't, I think that I also saw that one of like the Mizzou players said that the video was old. Like it was like yeah, it's supposed maybe, to be like two years old. Yeah, like so he's like, oh he's clean now, but he still got suspended this year too for some. He was stuff suspended never... indefinitely twice. Yeah, yeah the so, last season. I I don't know. I I mean I feel like for Mizzou, you're not that. Like it sucks, but obviously weren't they handing the reins off to that other quarterback probably anyway? Yeah, next I mean year? they they expected Mock back, and I guess he could still be back. Um, that's kind of actually what I wanted to also ask about. Like so. Say this video is from two years ago, but it surfaces now. 
do you still kick him off the team? You can't it's be true. associated with him, or or how how do you handle? Yeah, that? that's a weird like that's like I know they're in, like said so they're in their fact finding stage or whatever for it. So it's a weird like rock and a hard place thing for Mizzou, and I think with. With the fact that you have a really good recruit at quarterback, you know, that this was a freshman this year, like, yeah, yeah. I think you can, you just got to say, screw it, and just say, you're gone, dude. You've We've been too much trouble, and this is just another lasting image. And, like, no matter what you do, if you Google Maddie Mock, even next year, if he gets in the Heisman race for some crazy reason, if you Google it, the second video is still going to be, you know, here's him doing cocaine. Like, yeah. I it, think it's just time to call it, call it a day. I, the only thing to me that, that, uh, that bothers me about that is I hate the idea of giving out punishments because of public opinion. Like yeah. the Ray Rice thing is a perfect example. This dude knocked out his wife before you saw that video, before the horrible video was, re- was released of him doing that. But he didn't get an indefinite suspension from the NFL until after the video came out because and the public was out. outraged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the the facts and the acts of a crime don't change because of who can see it happen. And so that's what I hate. Like, if you're going to... Matty Mock has done his time um, because of, you know, failed drug tests and mistakes that he's made off the field. Just because now people can Google it and watch him do them doesn't make them worse to me. They were bad before. They're the same amount of bad now. I don't like making decisions based off public opinion. But at the same time, like you said, that's a terrible look. Say there's some 8-year-old kid that's a Mizzou fan... You hop on the yeah. You hop on the iPad and you see Maddie Mock doing cocaine. It's yeah. it's not a good look. It's just yeah. sad all around. Yeah, not a good situation for sure. Yeah, and you just gotta hope that sooner or later, whether it's Tyron Matthew at LSU or Maddie Mock at Mizzou or just all over the country, uh, that you can kind of flush some of the drugs out of these major programs. It's uh, it's not it's not good. Not good. On to the NBA. Uh, and speaking of not good. Holy hell. The, so so it was billed as the greatest regular season game in NBA history. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs versus the Golden State Warriors. They were a combined like 75-10. and 10, And the Golden State Warriors just wiped the floor with the Spurs last night. Uh, what was your reaction? What did you expect going in? And what was your reaction after that beatdown? I thought for sure it was going to be a, a close one. Like, you know, obviously Spurs defense has been top of the, top of the uh, league, and then Warriors offense has been top. So you, you figure it kind of matched up well, first time they played all season. But um, the stat I saw that kind of was basically the difference was the Spurs are averaging giving up. This, I don't know how to really word this, but on average the Spurs allow, allow 13 points off of their own turnovers to the opponent. And last night, Golden State got 32, so they almost you know, like tripled it basically. Right, right. So, and and that's that's something you can't do against a team that can score so fast. Like you have to slow them down. And also, it I was saying this I think to Corey roommate last night when I was watching, like, aka Mr. IGN, <laughs> aka Young Tom Clancy, aka hitching my three pointer but still deadly. <laughs> and he. Uh, like t- Tony Parker looked like he was trying to be like twenty five year old Tony Parker in that first quarter. It was kind of like I know he's, he's probably hyped too, and it's a big game. But 
Um, I just felt like it was uh, watching the first quarter and then watching a lot of the highlights and some of the clips, like they just were kind of outmatched. And the Spurs are kind of a team that once they know they're going to lose, though, they just kind of like, they roll over and they're like, yeah, we're not going to like waste a bunch of energy here. Yeah, yeah. So so um, minutes played last night, 25 Kawhi Leonard, 25 LaMarcus Aldridge. Tim yeah. Duncan didn't play, 22 Danny Green, 18 Tony Parker, 19 Mono Ginobili. Not exactly yeah. their best effort, exactly. like you mentioned. That wasn't a playoff game. Like it looked right, like it right, at right. first, the way they were playing super hard, but then... Pop is one of those guys who knows how to flip the switch. He's like, nah, this, this isn't worth it kind of thing. Like right before the – I mean, obviously he could have just to like prove a point, but he doesn't ever care about that stuff. Like he just wants to make it to the playoffs. I think he knows there will be a one or two seed. And I just wish Adam Silver would like executively decide, nah, East, you guys just chill. We're going to do like basically Warriors Spurs for the finals this year. See, I don't get that. Why, like why do people say that they're going to play eventually? It's just not for – I mean, not for a only title. one of them can win anyway. Yeah, I just rather they're basically play. playing for a title. Yeah, essentially, but like I'd rather that be the last series of, of NBA games we watch this year, and then like them go play the winner of that go play the Cavs, who can't really mount a, a legitimate effort. I don't. I still don't understand that. But I also. Um, all right, so a little look into our lives. We had a lovely gathering at our house last week. It ended with people playing couples Yahtzee. I was teamed with Corey. But my point being, we had a long discussion, you, me, some of the guys that were over about Warriors Spurs. And I said to our buddy Jordan, I think the Warriors are going to kill the Spurs. What do the Spurs do when the Warriors go small? You can't. I don't think that you can play LaMarcus Aldridge and Tim Duncan at the same time when the Warriors go small. Much less, maybe not even play either of them. Neither of them can keep up with Draymond Green. You're going to put LaMarcus Aldridge in a pick and roll with Draymond Green and Steph Curry. He's going to get roasted every single time. So I think that I don't think that it's going to be like this every time these two teams play at full strength, but I don't know if I think that the Spurs have a great chance. I'll even go as far as to say I think that the Cavs and the Thunder have a better chance at beating the Warriors than the Spurs do. Just because of how they match up. The Spurs are amazing. The Spurs will wipe the floor with a team like the Grizzlies or uh, even maybe the Thunder, like a bigger team that's more conventional. But with the Warriors, I just don't like that matchup. I don't think with the things that they do, whether it's, you know, you're not going to run and keep up when you have guys like Tony Parker and David West and Manu Ginobili playing minutes, or you're not going to be able to play Duncan Aldridge, Kawhi against a super small lineup. I just, I don't know. I think there's some interesting matchup flaws there that I really like for the Warriors. Um, but they play a couple more times a season. They, one of them will come out of the West, so they kind of have to go through each other. Uh, interesting results, and so um, good to see that they finally played. Probably bullcrap that we had to wait this long into the season to see it happening. Yeah, that was a uh, that was definitely kind of a disappointment for. Uh, I think Corey even read another stat last night that was like, this is like the best game ever since Jazz Bulls in the regular season, like as far as how good the teams were playing. But um, I, I I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think what, see what Pop actually does in a playoff series with the, with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of Pop, he made a joke last night about getting fired because <laughs> after the Warriors killed the Cavs, David Blatt was fired. We don't have to get into this too deep because we um, – it's kind of old news. But I'm just curious, as a former basketball player yourself, you played at a high level. Uh, did you think that the David Blatt firing was fair, one? And two, fair or not, would you have fired David Blatt? 
Not then. No, it made it to me. It was stupid. It made no sense. So unfair, and you would not have fired. Yes, like I understand. Maybe firing him after last season, I don't know, but I still don't feel like that's fair because he played with basically just LeBron and, and supporting cast. But um, I don't understand a team that's 30-11 and 11 and they're on pace for 60 wins. Kyrie wasn't in there at the start. He's still kind of getting his legs. I, I don't know. I feel like the Cavs are kind of a, kind of getting jokey and like like they're lucky the Browns play in their same city, so they're not the worst franchise, like worst run franchise in that city. But... I, I just don't understand. I don't like it's not his fault that management has fifty million dollars on the books for Verjao, Mozgov, Love, and Tristan Thompson, and like you see that that now, and you see the way the Warriors are winning, and that's like the opposite of the recipe for success. Like I don't know. I just feel like it's it was a desperate move because they maybe they couldn't get a good trade, so they're like, well, let's just do something like this, and we got blown blown out. Was it at home too against yeah. the Warriors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thirty piece yeah, at home. Thirty piece at home, but. I, it to me it made no sense. I was definitely on Stan Van Gundy's side. I don't know if you saw that, but he was just like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know what the expectations are anymore for coaching. Definitely make makes me not want to like ever be a coach or like I know I don't envy that like profession. Okay, well, I hear what you're saying. Um, this will be a good. This is a good pot. A lot of a lot of uh, dialogue here. I don't agree though. I think that he. I think that I would have fired him, and I think that I would would have done it then or if not sooner um <clears throat> i just think just because he's getting good results doesn't mean necessarily that like their process is as efficient and as powerful as it could be if that makes sense like okay. you're 30 and 11 but why are you 30 and 11 because you have an unprecedented payroll and you have one of the most talented players ever or are you 30 and 11 because david blatt is maximizing that roster and there's a good future and the players respect him. I feel like every coach and situation and job and all of that, everything has a, has a shelf life. And it's got a ceiling. And if you are in any profession, whether it's mine or yours or David Blatt's or whatever, and your employer looks at you and says, hey, you're doing an okay job, but we want someone to do your job better. And we don't think that that's going to be you anytime soon. I think they have the right to pay him to go away. They didn't. They didn't fire him and get off the hook. They're paying him what seven and a half million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, not, I'm not worried about the money part. I just think it's a weird <clears throat> timing situation. I think I don't understand. Like, if you're gonna, if you think that's the same thing, then why didn't you just fire him? Uh, you know, he, you knew he's gonna go thirty and eleven. What? Like, what? What was the number? I think maybe then? getting. I think maybe getting Kyrie back and giving him a little bit of time. And he had Kyrie back for a month. He got to see him play the Spurs and the Warriors with Kyrie. I think that. I mean, I think that that's probably. A part of that process, you really yeah. had an idea for because you're not you don't want to see him play games one through you know seventy five. You want to see him play the seven or eight against the best teams in the league. Yeah, I mean that's fair too. You got you got a chance to play those teams, but I I just feel like it was a I don't think that that is the tipping point where like now they have Tyron Lue and they're winning the chip this year. Like yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I'm I'm not I'm hardly advocating that like Tyron Lue will be the difference. He's this coaching dynamo that. You know, has all the answers. I think that roster is severely handicapped, and I'm skeptical as to whether firing David Blatt will make any difference, much less a positive difference. Um, but I understand why they did it. I feel like I feel like people are so concerned about fairness and feelings uh, in the NBA, and like that's just not how that works. Like it was like when Fuente left Memphis, and yeah. everyone's like, "Well, I wish you would coach the bowl game." 
yeah, well, that would be dandelions and roses and rainbows, but like that's not how business works. Like, I, I don't know. It's an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to go back and forth. And I will say, I was impressed, and I salute the NBA coaches for the solidarity at least. Yeah, you they get were Rick all... Carlisle and Popovich and, and Stan Van Gundy pipe, yeah, popping boys. off, and yeah. yeah, 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 that's that's good for them. Um, I, I do like to see that, but I I don't feel bad for David Blatt, and I don't I don't really mind the Cavs doing it. Yeah, I also heard a story about uh, apparently LeBron with the Eric Spoh stuff, like with Spolstra. Like he apparently really didn't want Spolstra anymore after I think it was the year after, like mid season after they lost to the Mavs that first year. Yeah, and I think apparently the story goes that Dwayne Wade told him, "Yo, chill. Like if we fire him, then we're gonna have Pat Riley, and he'll be like riding the riding our ass, and you won't like that anymore. Trust me." Like, so I feel like this was. LeBron's time to be like the man, and like I know there's all the reports saying he didn't know and didn't find out. Like, but it's clearly you know, there's clearly talk there, and like he's basically the GM of that franchise. So. Yeah, I mean, you well, you can say I kind of have been impressed with David Griffin, uh, just his his roster moves and the way that he's handled and presented himself. I think that you can say, well, LeBron wasn't directly consulted, but they were also aware of how he would feel about it, and that's yeah. I, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be him playing puppeteer while David Griffin is over here castrated. And it doesn't have to be LeBron in total darkness. There's, there's, there's some kind of a middle ground there. But uh, I'm intrigued to see what David Griffin can do. Because, yeah, like I said, I, I've liked what he's done. Um, I'm intrigued that maybe he's a guy that can kind of start to stand up to LeBron um, and and do things the way he wants to do them rather than, you know, kind of being LeBron's bitch. Um <laughs> But it'll be interesting to see kind of the roster moves that he can make and the way that he can keep LeBron engaged because I think it's weird. Uh, LeBron is treated as a guy that can just hold that franchise hostage. I don't know that he has all the leverage that people are making it out to be. Like, what's LeBron going to do if he doesn't like what the Cavs do? He's going to leave? Would he he really leave? No. If you really think about it. Like, where is he going to go? And how – you thought the decision was bad when he left for Miami. If he has a tantrum like a kid – and leave the Cavs now, that's that's a thousand times worse. So I think that the Cavs have more leverage and power in that relationship than maybe people uh, understand or think about. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm I'm interested to see what what if anything does change on that you know on that side with Tyron Lue. Like like he said, he wants to. I think he wants to pick up the pace and shoot, get some more transition attempts. But I, I don't know. I just I don't know that that's like. The point where we're all gonna like in like five years, like oh, remember when they fired Blatt midseason? Yeah, that was when it turned. And then LeBron won four straight rings. Like, no, that's to me, that's just like kind of a desperation move of someone watching the Warriors and Spurs that are both clearly like leaps and bounds a better team, better structured for the the way the league's running, and they they just kind of had it. They just wanted to do something, kind of. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Also in the NBA, I feel like we should at least just mention how much of a dumbass is Blake Griffin. Yeah, that is hilarious. He is just the worst kind of fake tough guy. We've seen him get punked by Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and the Grizzlies so many times. And now you want to swing off on an equipment manager that's half your size. I'm glad he broke his hand. I don't feel bad for him one single bit. I think that's a punk move. Being a small guy, like first of all, if you're an equipment manager, you got to be kind of stupid to be popping off that much. I get it, like yeah. they're friends or whatever. You got to know like when to hold them and fold them. Yeah. Second of all, though, like you're a big dude. Like 
there's I find it very hard to believe that any small dude could make you so mad that you're popping off and hitting them in not public. once but twice. Like I guess he hit him in the restaurant, then they walked outside and he swung on him again. Like damn. How much of a bitch do you have to be that you're swinging on somebody a foot smaller than you and you're yeah. an NBA superstar? Yeah, that was so weird to me, but it, like it kind of it was like, whoa, but I wasn't surprised just because you're the like, character he, he would, right? Yeah, like, he would. that's within his realm of like possibility. But he's I don't know, that franchise is just kind of turning into like a joke. Like they should just have a reality show at this point and like LA, you know, the LA Clipper douches and like just follow them around because you know something's gonna happen. Like obviously, I think they finally got rid of Josh Smith, and watching that drama with him and Doc was hilarious this year. Like I remember, there was one time Josh Smith literally stared down Doc, then caught a pass, hit the three, and then like talked shit again to him. Like that Quincy Pond. Yeah, like. like it was. It's just a ridiculous franchise, and you can't be feeling good if you're a Clippers fan. What would it take? You are about a foot taller than me, like almost exactly. What would it take for you to swing on me twice in a restaurant and then outside a restaurant? I don't know, like a lot. Like you'd have to very, like I, I don't even understand that. And the, the the thing about it too is the relationships. Like he's an NBA player making twenty million, you know, eighteen twenty whatever he's making a year, and you with a dude that's maybe making six figures max and like you're letting that dude like the lion and sheep quote like you know lion doesn't worry about the opinion of sheep like that is to me why blake griffin is such a stupid person like you should just be able to be like all right whatever dude like there's no way he's threatening him Here, you could, there's a lot him. of ways to beat somebody's ass when like yeah. you wouldn't have to hit me if you yeah. and me fought you, like just the sheer wingspan <laughs> and weight differential like it's it's way way different yeah. You don't need to swing on someone and yeah. break and break a finger just, or a hand. Yeah, like stop chilling with them you, or stop you can, like you could body slam me in the blink. Yeah. yeah, it's is it's just so stupid on so many levels. I don't feel bad for Blake Griffin. I'm kind of mad there's no TMZ video of that. Like, yeah, that would yeah. be awesome all, to see yeah. him just like sticking him. <laughs> oh, I would have liked that. Um, so we'll end it also on the hardwood locally. Josh Pastner on the hottest of hot seats. <laughs> he has been on the hot seat before, but he is on it. Probably the most that he's ever been. Um, Memphis lost to East Carolina this weekend. East Carolina came into Memphis with zero road wins, with zero conference wins, and they beat uh, they beat Memphis at home. Um, yeah. Attendance is way down. Memphis now twelve and seven on the season, seventh in the American Athletic Conference. Their best win is probably Louisiana Tech. Yeah, so there was a stat where they it's like not good. They're like, they're like zero and five against top fifty RPI teams. Yeah. So basically, anybody that's decent, they've lost to essentially. Yeah. But um, yeah, I kind of like I think I texted you this right, you know, about a couple hours ago before the pod. I was like, we got to talk about this because I got in a discussion at work, a debate, some water cooler talk. And for the record, you have played against Josh Patton. Yeah, yeah. For the record, I mean, obviously on an exhibition credibility, <laughs> but. You once gave Josh Pastner what twenty one? Yeah, yeah, twenty. I think just a flat twenty. Flat. Hey, look, but twenty. I'll take it. But anyways, so there was talk on the radio going in, and then there's talk. I, I think a, uh, I don't know how it got brought up. I think Jordan. Basically, here's the deal. Jordan, buddy at work, comes over. He goes, the the Tigers need to hire Penny Hardaway. So that makes yeah. me give you this fake headline. Tigers in let's say April after they you know bow out of the NIT tournament in the first round, fire Josh Pastner, five years, 14 mil for Penny Hardaway. How believable do you think that is? Like, very, very believable. I'm, I'm skeptical that Penny Hardaway is like 
the answer. Mm-hmm. I think he could be. He's he obviously he's a god in the city of Memphis. Yeah. He all of the damage that Passner has done in the city about you know local parents wanting to send their kids to Memphis. Penny erases that and and just magnifies. He will he will lure any recruit from Memphis to play with the Tigers. Okay, I agree with that. But on the same token, we were looking at the stats. Like Passner's had a top ten class three out of his six yeah, years. Okay, part of that is though uh, quantity. Yeah. Like he's bringing in like five, four, yeah, four, three yeah, star kids yeah. and like that. So for the, I mean, he's had some okay recruits, but other than, other than Martin. Austin Nichols and Shaq Goodwin, he has not recruited very well, um, except for the Lawson twins, who's, who's dad coaches. Yes, who basically just bought bought them. But I could see that. I know for a fact that boosters love Penny. Yeah, my thing is another topic on that is. Um, and a, a buddy at work, another buddy that worked by the sub, TJ, he said, like, what happens if Penny sucks and you have to fire him? Then that is just, like, the worst, worst, worst case scenario because you're going to alienate fans, you're going to alienate alumni. Some people, like, like obviously, Passner, people are good to say let him go because there's no real ties. But if you put a dude in that's, you know, and what if he just, blo- like, Okay, totally here's the thing, though. He, he has a little bit of coaching experience at the AAU level. He's coaching high school now at probably the best – like East public, is probably the best like school public. in the city right now. Um, and he he has a ton of experience in the NBA. I feel like if he's learning in elite-level recruits, he can't suck that bad. True, but what if he doesn't win? Like, what if he does the exact same, if he produces the exact same results? If they're like a borderline tournament team, he, he, they, they'll love him. It doesn't matter. Well, Penny I mean, could literally murder someone in this city, and he would, and they'd still Donald love Trump him. Quote. I feel like his, I feel like Penny's, Good graces and like the city's patience with Penny would be infinitely more than Josh Pastner. No, I agree with that completely. I'm not. I'm not saying that he would. He would get like the same kind of rep, but like, and obviously, what Pastner's on his seventh year, so this is a long time for an opportunity. But that's. I feel like the most reason he's on his seventh year is because they did that kicker clause where he got another five years. So I mean, the the payout, the buyout is so high that they're like, man, we can't. Like you, like the University of Memphis, I just don't see how they can afford to pay a dude ten million dollars to go away, and then not to mention pay another dude another three a year to to come in and coach at the same time. Yeah, it would hurt. I mean, like unless the boosters are really that excited about a hire like Penny, which is the only guy where I could actually see Passner being fired, and then that making sense because he's a big splashy hire. Like you said, attendance has been down, so yeah, they definitely sell out. The t- you know, it'd be a lot of buzz. You know, they'd be on ESPN a ton because you got this guy. But who's to say it's not just another Clyde Drexler? Like, like I mean, Chris Mullen just started at St. John's, but who knows? But obviously, we I don't know their backgrounds in coaching. I'm just saying, the Memphis fans to me are just always kind of bug me a little bit, like the normal average Joe Memphis fan because of, of one main reason. Well, actually two, and their names are John Calipari and Justin Fuente because they got them like a taste. So I'm going to kind of wrap this back in to Maddie Mock's Coke situation. Basically, they were drug dealers, and they got all these Memphis fans to try this cocaine. They got them hooked on the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, they got them hooked on like the really expensive good stuff, and then they left. They left, and they went to another. You know, they went to schools where there's more buyers of their good weed or good coke. Okay, wait, the drugs we get. All right, <laughs> so good whatever. So and like so now, you know, you got Memphis just doesn't have a high ceiling. Like to compare it again, another weird comparison I thought about like. It's like our house. It's a one-story ranch house. There's a you know twelve-foot ceiling, ten-foot ceiling, whatever, and that's it. Like Kentucky and Virginia Tech, those are mansions. Those are Beverly Hills mansions where there's a lot more room to grow. Like you, I just feel like there's so much expectations of them to be a Power Five school. Like I don't know, like Oklahoma, where they can be good at football and good at bat. Like 
And to me, it's just like, you should be happy what you're at. You're basically a, like, you want to be like a Cincinnati, a Boise State, like one of those schools where you're doing good in both sports, you have respectable programs, but don't think that you should be in the Sweet 16 every year and then the college football playoff talk. Like, don't be unrealistic is all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> um, I understand what you're saying. They think, I do think that a lot of local fans, probably that's true of most college fans, to think that their best years could be there every year, and that's just not going to happen. I do think that the Memphis basketball program could be annually like a Sweet 16 team. I think that they should be a powerhouse. They're somewhere between the Derrick Rose year and the Tyreek Evans year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because just because of the sheer talent that this city uh, creates on the high school and like the kind of youth basketball level – I would say, though, yeah, you're right. You can make a splash. You can bring in Penny. You can bring in Damon Stoudemire. You can bring in, you know, whoever, Joe Schmo. But there's hardly a guarantee in college sports that the next guy is going to be the best guy. Yeah. No, I agree. And I'm just – I I like to think for the worst for the – like, what's – like, the Mike Norvell hires good hires. He's a young guy. Maybe he's going to bounce around. But if he sucks, then you fire him. It's not a big deal. But if you hire Penny Hardaway – and he ends up, you know, falling on his face, can't coach, and hires some bad assistants, and bad scandals happen, and you have to fire him. That's like just awful for the university. That's a, that's a, ba- that's a very high risk, high reward situation for them. Yep, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be an improvement just because it's different. Thank you for letting us rant today on Block Party Podcast. You got anything like creative or funny to? Nah, with? not really. I just like next week we definitely have to do a Super Bowl. We'll be back later this week. Right? Yeah, oh, that's we'll true. Something but, later this week. Like I want to do a Super Bowl props bet on like all the weird little stuff like that. I made some bank last last year on like the Brandon LaFell scoring the first touchdown and like the Super the Star Spangled Banner over under like like stuff like that is fun. And I feel like we should definitely like look at those and talk about All them. skill. No luck involved with Straight those. Straight skill. Straight winners. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back later this week.